welcome to Ha'igeret, or The Message, a unique journal of original and plagiarized Jewish thought in the merit of my grandfather, Benjamin Arye ben Leah, and for a refuish lema for Esther Batsipora. This week's Parsha has a few interesting storylines. It opens with the commandment of Aaron, of Aaron, as Kohen Gadol's high priest, that he should light the menorah in the Mishkan in the portable temple every day. This Parsha's name is actually taken from that command. Behalotecha, the name of the Parsha, means when you light, or literally, when you cause to ascend. Upward movement is very symbolic in Judaism. For example, no matter where geographically you're coming from, when you go to Israel, you're making aliyah, or ascending. And no matter where you go geographically after you leave Israel, you are making yerida, or descending. Rashi, Rabbi Shlomo Yitzchaki, clarifies that causing light to ascend means that you kindle the light until the flame is able to rise by itself. Obviously, this command does refer to the actual lighting of the menorah, but this symbolic idea of raising someone or something until it's capable to hold themselves or itself up is really nice. It also definitely tracks with what we know so far about Aaron Kohen, Aaron the priest. In Pirkei Avot, we learn a famous line, that a person should be like the followers or the students of Aaron, loving peace, pursuing peace, loving all mankind, and bringing them closer to Torah. Ohev shalom, ve'rodev shalom, ohevet habriyot, umakarvan Torah. The Torah is often likened to the source fire that lights the sparks within us all, so we can connect Aaron's lighting of the menorah to his interactions with all of mankind. We should all hope to encourage or brighten anyone that we interact with, but also keep in mind to give them the tools to keep themselves encouraged once they're on their own. In this quote from Pirkei Avot, Aaron is described as loving mankind and then bringing them closer to Torah. Maybe you have to love someone to want to share Torah with them, or maybe unconditional love must precede any sort of agenda, no matter the purity of that agenda. And the first part of that sentence about Aaron loving and pursuing peace, you don't desire and pursue peace in a vacuum. What would push a person to pursue peace and spread Torah? Loving peace and loving mankind. It's also interesting to note that Aaron brings the people close to the Torah, not the Torah to the people. The Lubavitcher Rebbe, Menachem Mendel Schneerson, taught that just because you can't teach the entire Torah overnight, it doesn't mean you should water down Torah concepts. When we still had the Beit HaMikdash, the Holy Temple, the menorah would be lit every day. But like any candle that is burned, it makes a mess. So every day, a Kohen, a priest, had to clean out and prepare the menorah. But the actual kindling of the light could be done by anyone. So while Aaron was alive, he would light it, but after his death, anyone could light the menorah. How does this parallel with our lighting of our fellow humans? Ordinary people, like you and me, can share words or podcasts of Torah with anyone. Just as any ordinary person could light the menorah if it was prepared by a Kohen, ordinary people can also encourage the growth of others if prepared and secure in our own knowledge, or if under the guidance of someone who is. It's a common expression to say that someone's face lights up when they're happy or talking about something that gives them joy. If English isn't your native language, you may wonder why someone's face lighting up is good. Does it mean that suddenly their eyes are emanating light or that you see physical brightness? No, of course, it's a figure of speech, but I think you can imagine what kind of reaction I'm referring to. It's a great feeling to be the cause of someone else's happiness, and oftentimes the feeling that you cause someone else to have is reflected back on you. The menorah that Aaron is instructed to light is described as being hammered from one block of gold. 
So even though it has seven arms or seven branches, each branch is rooted in the same source. Some commentators connect the seven arms to the seven midot, or character traits, that we should work to emulate, or that the seven branches symbolize all the different ways that we can serve God. And even though there are different paths, different traits we can work to emulate, our end goal is always to serve our Creator and, like a menorah, be a guiding light for the world. Midway through the Parsha, we discuss the one-year anniversary of Yitziat Mitzrayim, the exodus from Egypt. On this day, the Jews are instructed to make the Pesach sacrifice, the Korban Pesach. In order to be able to make a sacrifice, though, you have to be ritually pure. You can become ritually impure by touching a dead body, being in the same house as a dead body, eating an animal that died of natural causes, and a few other situations. On the year anniversary of Pesach, there were a few members of B'nai Israel that were ritually impure, so they could not make the Pesach sacrifice. This group comes to Moshe and asks if there's a way that they could make up for the sacrifice. Moshe says, wait, I will go and hear what God will command you. And God says something like, yeah, if for some reason you couldn't make the Korban Pesach, you can come exactly a month later and do it then. And voila, we now have Pesach Sheni, a second Passover celebrated in the month after regular Pesach. It's a little simplistic to say that Pesach Sheni is just about second chances. It's also simplistic to say that it represents taking your fate into your own hands, or recognizing when you have made an error and want to make tshuva or repentance, or knowing how to ask for what you need. We no longer have the Beit HaMikdash, so what do we do with Pesach Sheni today? Not much, but some people eat matzah on the day. I'm sure there's a beautiful meaning explanation for Pesach Sheni that is just beyond me. What does stand out to me is the fact that Moshe asking God for guidance is recorded. The Torah is a succinct document, the sentences are not extraneous. Moshe is the greatest prophet who has ever and will ever live. He has made plenty of judgments and rulings on his own. But here we see him actively reaching out for direct guidance and not hiding the fact that he is reaching out. For me, this teaches that someone who is truly wise is one who, number one, knows what they don't know, Number two is secure enough in their wisdom to be willing to ask for guidance. And number three isn't afraid for others to know that they reached out for guidance. Moshe is described as being extremely humble, but not so humble that he didn't believe he could lead. Of course, at the beginning of his journey, he did have some of these concerns at the first burning bush meeting, but this kind of secure humility really speaks to me as the most powerful expression of wisdom. Just as any ordinary person can share Torah or light the menorah, as long as they are guided by someone substantial, we see Moshe Rabbeinu, our greatest leader, being willing to ask for help and guidance. Ordinary people can emulate Moshe not only by sharing words of Torah with others, but also being willing to reach out when they need to. Thank you so much for listening. Shabbat Shalom. I hope you have a great weekend.